Hello, and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Wilson Acton. Wilson's the Chief Commercial Officer at Verge. Verge is an ag tech company with offices in Calgary and Lethbridge that lives in that interest intersection between the evolution and technological advances that are taking place in every industry, and the industry as old as the day is long, the ag space. He talks about the role technology has always played in innovating in the ag industry and for an industry that is always trying to find a better way to outsmart the weather, outsmart the market, get ahead of things, and how rapid adoption of new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things has been a cornerstone of what's allowed that industry to thrive in Canada, North America, and globally. Join me for a good old-fashioned chat with Wilson Acton. Wilson, thanks for coming on the show. You and I had a chat. We've ended up now in an executive leadership together. I feel like our worlds are converging. So I'm excited to also have you on because you're the first guest I've had on who's firmly planted in the ag space. And on the show, and I mentioned to you offline, I ask a question of which industry should should we collide together that can learn from each other? And Ultimately, 50, 60% of the time, ag is one of the choices. So, you know, you, 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 it's long overdue to have someone on the show. So thanks thanks for joining me and welcome. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, uh, excited excited to be here. And, and uh, you know, since we first started chatting, I've been listen, listening to the show and some super interesting guests. And, oh, thank and, you. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm always honored when people listen. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so let's start off. Let's give people a little lay of the land. So Wilson Acton, you're the chief commercial officer at Verge. You also work at a, you also are involved, executive vice president company called Whipcord. So let's do a quick little couple minute or let's give everybody an idea what Verge and Whipcord are all about. And we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Verge is our um, agriculture technology company. And so, you know, in a really basic way, what do we do? We, we write software for f- farm machinery. And, and in particular, what we do is we are optimizing um, the flow of, of farm machinery as it moves, uh, moves through the farm and through the field in the most efficient way possible. Over at Whipcord, we own and operate data centers um, and, and um, provide IT infrastructure, which in today's COVID world is, has become more important when companies need to be able to work remotely and, and run their data through um, uh, clouds and, and back up their information and, and do all this type of stuff. So th- those are our two businesses as, as they come together. Uh, chicken, egg, card, horse was, did whipcord come first for, did, did, did one, I'm always curious from the entrepreneurial journey, was one a facilitated need from the other, or were these just two lanes that converged? <laughs> it's, um, whipcord came first, uh, from verge. It actually goes back to our satellite imagery days. And so, um, back before, um, back before our, um, uh, data center business, we, we operated the third largest earth observation, um, uh, company in the world by the name of Blackbridge and operated a constellation of Earth observation satellites under the Rapid Eye name. So, the data center business was actually built to support the massive amounts of data coming off of these satellites. Okay, so so it was a need that you facilitated, but for That's a different right. different organization. Different organization. We've since sold off our satellite imagery business, um, but we retained the data center um, business unit. Uh, it was a, it was a great business that that we've always liked and and thought it had lots of potential, mm-hmm. and intentionally held that back as essentially our foundational building blocks for the next venture. And the next venture is, is Verge. Okay. Interesting. I'm always curious the entrepreneur journey and, you know, sometimes they say the best, the best companies or the best solutions come out of like selfish need. (laughs) We needed this, we facilitated it. Yeah. If other people benefit from it, great, but we knew, we knew the problem we were trying to solve. 
So talk to me a little bit. So I, I'm really curious about, you know, I, I grew up in an ag environment and it was, I'm going to use the word analog. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, my dad still has the first tractor that my grandfather bought with rubber tires, like a 1940s yes. Cockshot 70. Nice. So I, gr- I grew up with that being in the yard as well as the first combine. And just as yeah. I was getting out of it, GPS mapping was starting to come in. And I know that was 20 years ago. So things have rapidly evolved. So maybe even just give people a little bit of a history, if you will, or your kind of point of view on that convergence of the ag, which has been around since the beginning of time and technology and how they've kind of merged together. And then we'll kind of go into into the the trials and tribulations of also running a tech company on its own. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of people when they think about agriculture and technology, um, you know, and even though just a mashup of the word ag tech, (laughs) <laughs> they kind of start at that point of, of when GPS um, was starting to come out commercially available, kind of, um, you know, post desert storm, post Gulf, Gulf War sort of stuff. But really, you know, it's been going on for for generations. It's just technology was different then, right? We were making better, um, better planters. We were making better harvesters. Um, you know, they were growing, uh, making better genetics for wheat, um, uh, you know, all these types of things. You know, people forget that during World War II, Canada never took their farmers off the land because um, we needed them to feed the world, essentially. Um, and so, you know, and at that time, we were evolving the seed genetics so we could grow better wheat in Canada, which is, you know, can been long considered the breadbasket of the world um, because of the wheat it produced. And so what's happened with technology and agriculture really is, is the, the evolution has just sped up. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned like seed genetics and things like that. Well, Canola, which we hear a lot about in the news because of trade issues and everything else, mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't even realize the term, like first off, canola didn't exist before World War II. It was formed afterwards. And it was between the, the University of Saskatchewan and the University of Manitoba um, seed breeding programs. And they've, they've created canola. The, the term stands for Canada's oil. That, that's where the word comes from. And I so that's, I, I knew it was a created thing. I didn't know that's what it stood for. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so technology has been around forever and, and farmers out of necessity have had to be um, rapid adopters of technology, you know, on a relative scale um, to survive, you know, tight margins always have been far as farms got bigger and bigger. Um, you know, my, my, I'm fifth generation farmer um, from Southern Saskatchewan. My, my father talks about when uh, they first were getting uh, cabs on the tractors and and how terrible that was because they were noisier inside than if they didn't have a cab. And now and you just look for at- anyone who's listening, there was no air conditioning. I remember our first combine that got air conditioning and that was a promotion when you got to drive that combine. <laughs> oh, that was that was the top job on the on the farm. And you're right. Yes, they were absolutely it was. Yeah. They were hot <laughs> always a hierarchy and and yeah. no, you're yeah, you're absolutely that's an interesting way to think about it. It's so easy to think of tech now in this digital world, mm-hmm. but the evolution of the industry and all of the research that went that's interesting. It kind of levels yeah. it out and makes it it it, it, it kind of makes more sense to think of it now on this longer scale. Yeah, when you yeah when you zoom out, and so now yeah you know tech is software and and additional hardware and a lot of sensors and computing and and kind of what we think of through today's lens as technology and and that is you know rapidly moving as well um, like lots of things. There's lots of potential. There's huge amounts of data coming out of out of farming. You know the machines are are loaded up with sensors and and web connected and and all all sorts of things. You, know, you climb into a modern day tractor now. And you're going to see the equivalent of about six iPads, um, you know, all running aspects of the tech. Um, and so, you know, it's it's more like running a spaceship um, than it than it is, you know, that old school analog mm-hmm. tractor um, these days. And so, and so, when you start thinking about 
Now the person needs to manage that operation, scale that operation, let alone the operator in, in the cab. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the farmer already had to be an expert at just about everything. Um, in order yes, to properly you, run you that touch, farm. You touch so many elements. That's right. Well, like for an operate, or operating farm from mechanic to strategic planner to financial manager to, right. you know, just, right. good old, just good old hard worker. <laughs> exactly. You went from, from finance expert, commodity trader um, down to, to, you know, janitor and, and part, part washer um, and everywhere in between. And so yeah. now you also have to be um, programmer and IT support. That's so, so and, and has that been very generational or like you said, farmers, farmers quick to adapt and always looking at, you know, new, better ways to do things. Like what is the new version of the yeah. nose trap has, uh, you know, you said it because they, they've had no choice, but is it a group that is probably, you don't think of them as, as rapid adopters, but maybe that listen to you talk, that actually is not true that they actually are because they've always tried to find a better way to yeah. outsmart the markets, outsmart the weather, the million variables you deal with as a farmer that are sometimes really outside of your control. It's pouring right. rain today. And you and I started the call with, okay, is this a good rain or a bad rain? Because yeah. it's completely outside of your control and it can make or break your year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, last year um, we really didn't get a rain like we've got here today. We didn't get this until the end of June, um, which was a, which was a bad news situation. The, and only made worse by then it didn't really stop raining until, um, <laughs> until about Christmas. Years. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, made it worse, but, it's, it is like there's, there's so many variables to add and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of farmers and it's kind of one of the unique things around the world. And we've, we've, you know, I've walked um, major grain growing regions, uh, fields with farmers in major grain growing regions all over the world. And one of the unique kind of commonalities is, is that inventive spirit, that tinkering kind of always looking and whether that is, I'm going to, you know, weld something onto my machine, it's going to do this um, kind of mechanical um, you know, I need a bigger machine to cover a bigger area or, or things like technology. Um, you know, maybe I can utilize GPS better and, and go from there. So natural progression, this is just the next cycle of innovation that we're in. It's kind of, is kind of what I'm hearing. Like, it's not a, it's not a new process for the industry. It's just like everything now, you know, technology, you know, isn't a sector. It's an underpinning of how all different industries operate. And I've heard from some of my guests, and this is, again, I I want to quote who or what exactly, but they said like, they're involved in oil and gas sector, but they're also involved in ag. And there's, they said so many times there's things that'll come up and they're, you know, oil and gas companies, service companies will say, ah, that sounds a bit risky. And they're like, Hey, Ag has been doing that for like five plus years. Like, let's yeah. go over there because they're actually like, you know, oh, you know, the de-risking mindset is, well, it's already technically been de-risked, but in another industry. And yeah. I didn't have that mindset myself personally, which is, you know, why it's exciting to have you on of that just level of innovation or that openness. But when I think back, there was always like, what's the new seed variety and what's going to grow the best. And my dad was always researching that, but it just wasn't software and hardware. Like that, okay. that was a bit of a scary world for him as that was transitioning because he was getting yeah. to the end of his farming career. And I remember that, Oh, the GPS like, yeah, well, we're going to get it because we need to, and we're going to figure it out. But it was yeah. definitely, uh, it, it was a bit, it was scary at the time as that's yeah. my memory of it anyways. And, and when you think about technology now, and I don't think egg is unique this way, but like the, the, pace of change of technology that's hitting so many industries is has gotten so fast, right? Like before, when you thought of a, a technological innovation, something like canola or the air seeder, um, you know, or the internal combustion engine, you know, those things took like a decade for that new technology to come out and start to permeate. Like it, it people had more time to kind of think about it and, and get comfortable with it and that sort of stuff. Whereas now, um, like even even us, 
people don't think of us as a startup really anymore. And, and our products are, you know, evolving into kind of second and third generation products. We only entered the market in basically 12 months ago. I'm looking at your, as you're saying, we're not a startup and people are because we're on third, fourth iteration. And I'm seeing January, 2019 on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> right. Like, like, so that's kind of how fast this sort of stuff is, is moving, which creates its own issues. Because I think, you know, the learning curve on some of the stuff is, is low, but some of it, not so much. And there's so much of it coming at people. I think that actually causes people to take pause and, and, and well, change, change, change fatigue is a real thing, yeah. for sure. And no matter what you want to insert behind the word change, but you're right, yeah. technology is just the rapid pace. So when you think of ag, you know, as obviously one of the one of the key industries in Western Canada, obviously you've mentioned you guys are all over the world. You, you know, South America, North America, you, you know, globally. Where do we sit in that cycle of of technology and adoption? Like, is our ag industry a leader? Are we second or third place? I'm getting very specific. I don't know if you yeah. can do that, but where, where do we sit kind of in the global trend of innovation, specifically around agriculture as an industry? In in Canada, you know, we'd be right we'd be right up at the top. Uh, it kind of depends okay. on what you're up up to. Um, some of the stuff that we see them doing in South America is also super fascinating. It doesn't tend to be focused around the type of technology um, like that that we're talking about. Like, it's not necessarily you know, new sensors on tractors or, or, you know, GPS, this sort of stuff, but they're, they're adopting all sorts of practices around regenerative, regenerative agriculture. So how can we grow crops that are improving the soil while also generating, you know, the, uh, okay. the food we need. And so kind of thinking about things more whole cycle from a environmental sustainability perspective. And there's a lot of that stuff happening in, in South America, uh, frankly, because of necessity, because um, yes. they, they farmed that land so hard for, for so many years um, that they, they're now having to do that in order to kind of making sure that they've got an industry tomorrow, you know, necessity kind of breeds. And so um, the stuff we're seeing there is really cool. The U.S., um, you know, technology adoption around all sorts of aspects, mechanical aspects um, is very, very high. And, and Canada's right in there with them for for sure. Not not a not a question. I'd say the two, you know, Canada, the U.S. Depending on what technology we're talking about, would would lead the world. Um, and uh, that's um, that, that's nice. There's there's a little sense of pride right there. That's what I was yeah. ho- that's what I was hoping was going to come out at the end of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Story. You know, and, and it's it's you know open minded, and people are thinking about it, and how can they push it a little bit further? And and you also need to think about kind of the macroeconomic environment, which drives that adoption as well. The the environment that the Canadian farmer operates in is much different economically than that of the U.S. farmer, okay. which is which is night and day to the um, farmer in the U.K., for example. And so, you know that that you know on a spectrum, one being you know Canada being more free market than the U.S. than than the U.K. Um, just kind of based on okay, so you're program. you're basing it on how the market actually fun- uh, yeah, the that's market right. functions, and then how that how that what that gives the farmer in terms of financial or how right. it actually runs itself through. Okay, and then and then therefore incentivizes people to to push the boundaries and adopt technology, right? Like when things are profitable and everybody's making money, you don't tend to adopt a bunch of new technology. It's times when things are tight and you're not sure you're going to get by. That's when you start fine tuning on the edges. 
back to the world we all live in right now, you know, you and I talking a little bit offline, 10, 10 weeks into this crisis, like the status quo doesn't exist anymore and the need to innovate and, you know, you don't okay. have, you don't have a choice because everything is being, how is the, and not to talk, this is certainly not a podcast about the current COVID crisis, but are you seeing impact in the agricultural sector, like from your vantage point, or is it more, Hey, like business as usual, like, yes, we're, we'll make changes for operations, but we still need to do what we do. The market still needs our product no matter what. Yeah, it's more the latter. You know, we joke that it takes more than a pandemic to get a farmer to stop farming. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, like I think that. somebody I like somebody that. said, "Oh no, it's going to take you know a plague and and uh, you know and the locusts coming." And I said, "No, I don't think." I that's was like, "This is going to go biblical really yeah, quick." Yeah, that's where yeah. I thought you were going to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, "No, that's that's not going to be enough either." So, um, so you know, it's much more the latter in that business business is going. The, the you know crops getting planted, people are still producing food. Um, it's an essential service for a reason. Um, business has changed, right? Like, uh, you know, a service provider um, can't have a storefront open in the same way as it did before. There was a lot of business done in, in agriculture, which is still relationship based. And you went in and you you met with your person <clears throat> at your local equipment dealership or your local fertilizer vendor or whatever. And you had a conversation and got some advice and some interaction. Of course, all that's done. Um, and so... You know, but there's been there's been almost you know at least five years or more talk about what could be the next Amazon of egg is the kind of buzz term. Oh, interesting. Who, yeah. who could yeah. use technology to essentially disrupt the supply chains that supply the farmer? So mm-hmm. equipment, um, fuel, fertilizer, these types of things, and and could an Amazon type model come in and completely change that retail landscape? And so it's been thought about, and people have worked on it, and and you know, there's kind of various stage, but one of the restrictions has always been user adoption, right? For Amazon to work, um, you know, people had to go there and start buying books and music and everything else. And then, yeah, there, there, there was a long, if you go back and unpack that whole journey, it's, it started with a very specific offering and, but also the world's much more comfortable with those purchases now because I buy my books, my toothpaste, my everything on, right. on that platform. Right. Yeah. Every, whatever it is month, there's, it seems like a skid of diapers that gets, gets rattled off at my front door by Amazon. And it's just <laughs> it's what happens. Uh, yeah. and, and so, um, what we've seen and because of COVID is more and more of those purchases had to move online um, be, just because of social distancing reasons. And, and so the, now the question is, is that going to stick? It, are, have, has this forced people now to become more comfortable with buying those products instead of their traditional ways? Uh, it, it probably will. There'll be some you know, retraction. But my guess is that we've now seen a big push into a change that we're going to see continue to, to evolve. Well, the whole 21 days to create a habit where, you know, we're three cycles deep on that 20 or multiple yeah. cycles deep on that 21 days right now, probably two and a half, I think. Right. But you know, it, it is going to be interesting kind of how it un- unfolds. And again, it's hard to imagine a future we've never seen, which arguably yeah. we've never seen the future, but now it feels a little bit more, you know, like we took the snow globe and really shook it up right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So from 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 your perspective, uh, you know, the root of this podcast is economic transformation in Calgary. But it's impossible to talk about that without talking about Western Alberta, Western Western Canada. Yep. So when you see ag and the role that it plays, and I've always felt this way, is ag kind of just runs around us and we just take it for granted. It's there. If you're not involved in it, you just it just it just works. You drive, you know, up, I was up to drove up to Sundry on the weekend and there's combines harvesting. And yeah. unless you really know, it's just dust in the field. Right. <laughs> when you think about economic transformation and where we're headed as a province and which is a little bit undetermined right now and some of the challenges we're having i guess what role do you see ag playing like status quo continuing to do what it does 
or is there a place where ag you th- feel could play maybe more more of a role in the really creating a strong a stronger and a more resilient economy here in Western Canada and ultimately Calgary and Edmonton? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, ag ag is a kind of foundational bedrock of Western Canada. Um, you know, when they first surveyed the West, it was about agriculture, and um, you know, it wasn't about oil and gas, and it wasn't about um, you know real real estate on the lower BC Delta or whatever. It was about agriculture and producing food and feeding the world, and and um, well, even look at some of the kind of staples of Alberta. Um, the stampede, right? This was, these were f- big four, the big four were four big ranchers yes. um, sat down and had a, who had a big idea and, and away we went, you know, hundred plus years later. So, um, egg, I think has always played a key role in Alberta, um, and in Western Canada. I, I think that egg to your point though, was, was often forgotten. Um, you know, it, it was more the, you know, the assumption that they're, you know, these are kind of small town, um, slow speaking behind the times, um, kind of people, um, that, 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 that there, yeah, it's good to talk about the beliefs and the stereotypes yeah. around that true, true or not. There is a belief around that for sure. There's a, there's a belief that way. And, you know, you talk about driving a sundry and you see the combines in the field, you know, to me, um, that's, I love it. Um, and that's kind of where I come from. And of course that's my, my sector. Whereas other people, Oh, it's annoying that there's dust on my car or there's these machines oh. driving the road and I got to slow down to drive around them and they shouldn't be allowed. I, 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 I won't, my, I won't bring my dad on right now to add to this because yeah. like you move out from the city of the country and now you, now you criticize me for doing what I did. Oh yeah. And I, I've heard a few rants as a kid on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, the, the traffic on the highway slowed down on the weekend because, you know, some jerk was driving his machine. Well, the jerk was also, you know, still trying to collect last year's revenue that got stuck out in the field. Uh, yes. you know, before he, he starts investing in this year's production cycle. So yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to be picking up your swaths in, in, in late April, early May, that should have been done in the fall. Like there's some guys that were, you know, driving up there. I was like, this is, you know, this is a kind of a sad story right here. Like what, what are you even getting to harvest right there? But we don't know that we don't appreciate what's going on. Thanksgiving is in the fall because it's supposed to be a celebration of the harvest and, <laughs> and all that we've had throughout the year. We, we don't see a lot of, um, of Thanksgiving celebrations typically in April and May, but um, yeah, it's, it's, um, so, so I think agriculture has one, one, it's always been there Two, It's been, it's been ignored of kind of the bigger, flashier, sexier beast of oil and gas and, and the riches that flow or, or, or other, you know, other industries. Um, whereas, you know, the shine has come off of those a bit. And, and so it's causing us to look at well, part of it's what's always been there. Um, also diversification and also, how can we do these things better? And so um, Canada as a whole, whether it's oil and gas or egg or, or lumber or whatever, we, we tend to be a producer of raw goods for the world to value add on top of. And, and maybe we should think about, um, think about that a little bit. You know, around Lethbridge, there's been a lot of development on agri-food processing, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and there's been some in Saskatchewan and, and different places. So, you know, how are we going to transform the economy in, in Western Canada, I'm not sure that we need to transform it. Let's just, you know, 
play to our strengths and, and build mm, on. I like that. Like I've had, I had Todd Hershon and he was talking about just traveling Alberta and like the, 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 the municipalities that weren't affected to the degree with oil and gas. And he picked Lethbridge. He goes, they felt, you know, maybe 10 years ago they weren't benefiting, but he goes, now that things have changed, he goes, Lethbridge is going strong because it was so based in ag and it, it had yep. a balance. It, it wasn't reliant on the oil and gas wave is what yep. he said. And I, I, that really hadn't got on my radar until he brought it up. Yeah. It's that it's that boom and bust mentality versus kind of a compounding returns mentality, right? Do you want mm, do you go for a twenty yeah. percent gain, but you might only get it for about five years, or do you go for five percent every year for thirty? Um, you know, and it's it's one is one is sexy and puts um, you know hot cars on the road, but but the other one actually builds <laughs> yeah. a community. Yeah, it builds deep wealth and builds a whole yeah, other, yeah builds a, builds a, builds generational versus yeah. versus cyclical. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I appreciate the comment on, you know, so, so what could diversify because, you know, there is, I don't want to say status quo, but there's a base level of ag operation. If we're going to look at to the future, where could we diversify that in a way that would create some more resilience and some more, you know, let's just talk about generational versus yeah. boom and bust. And you talked about bringing more things in house rather than sending it out to the world to do the value add. Can we do the value add here? I like that a lot. And I've heard that from a few other guests in different ways. What about the, what about the tech, the tech space with, you know, obviously technology can be exported quickly and easily to other yep. parts of the world once it's been tested. Being that we're, you know, like which I, I was proud to hear you say, like we're right up there in terms of the leaders. Are there other parts of the world that are looking to Canada going like, what are you guys doing to solve this problem, i.e. with a technology kind of brush, if you mm-hmm. will? Yeah, lot, lots of people are, you know, again, as we travel around, like like Canada has has been a, a world leader in, in agriculture anyway for, you know, for as long as Canada has been around um, and, and it's gone through evolutions. And so people often look at Canada of what, what's going on up there. You know, Canada brought um, the air seeder to the world, which, you know, unless you're in agriculture, maybe it doesn't mean much, but, but it was, you know, a, a transformational. As, as, as I'm, as I'm yeah. nodding, because I, re- I remember when that came into the Yeah. Scene. And it, it, you know, it was a transformational technology of the era. Um, and now you're hard pressed to go to kind of a major cropping region around the world and not find the air seeder at work. Um, and that came out of, of um, Saskatoon and Indian Head, if I, if I uh, recall. And so Canada's often looked at of, you know, what, what are you doing? And when we travel and we say, you know, we're from Canada and we're in agriculture, you right away get an audience. There's no, ah, there's no trouble awesome. getting an audience. Like we, we were in Brazil um, uh, last summer, last hour summer, and, and we met with um, one of the largest um, soybean producers in the world who happens to also be um, the largest cotton grower in the world. And it, it took um, about one mutual connection and, and two phone calls and a you know, very willing audience because we're known as innovators around the world and, um, and are willing to push boundaries. And, and these are, you, know, you don't get to be the size of that operation without being willing to look at new ways, better ways to do things. And we see the same thing in, better, yeah. in in Australia. You know, you go to a trade show and equipment, a farm equipment trade show in in Australia. I think about two thirds of the equipment's um, from Canada. <laughs> That's great. I mean, you're, you're filling me with pride over here. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is there more companies coming into the space, like thinking about you know the chance to innovate and the opportunity and that drive? Are you seeing when you talk about tech startups in Calgary? You know, and yeah. I, I want to pivot into that a little bit. I have some talk. I've had some recent conversations with some people out of the valley and how they look at Canada and look at specifically Alberta from an investment perspective around around, around tech. Are 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 individuals that are tech savvy being attracted to the ag sector or is it people that have roots in ag that also believe in tech? Like who's getting into that? And are you seeing the level of 
engagement and kind of that critical mass of companies that are going, hey, we really are into tech. Let's apply it over here or, or vice versa. What's, the, what's that look like in Western Canada? We're seeing both. Um, you know, you mentioned the valley. When, when we go down to the valley, um, you, know, you know, agriculture tech is hot down there right now. Everybody's talking about it. And whether it's um, because they think that we should be able to produce all our food within 15 feet of where everybody lives, um, whether it's about, you know, reduced kind of emissions and, and kind of a, you know, greening of the world, um, or whether it's stuff like what we're doing of, of let's make tractors, um, uh, you know, existing equipment better, more efficient, more productive, um, and that sort of stuff. And so, so from that perspective, when you, when you talk about the Valley, a lot of that is technology backgrounds who are now looking at ag through the lens of they think ag is behind the curve from a technology adoption. And therefore they could bring their technology skills where they've disrupted other industries and marketplaces and do the same in, in ag, essentially their next kind of sandbox. Yep. Here we tend to see people who are strongly rooted in ag and, and, and understand the business who are now bringing and also kind of understand technology who are bringing those tools back to the space. And so um, it's an it's an interesting piece. I don't think that either one is actually the the right solution. The solution is somewhere okay. in the middle. Um, if you come at it purely through the egg lens, you have the tendency to be um, anchored in this is the way we've always done it, or <laughs> this you know this is why this is how. And there's there's that element of history there. History is important. You don't want to forget that. Um, but a lot of what at least what we're doing at Verge, you know, this is the way we've always done it is is a swear word. And so. Typically, I'm that's, the one that's, who kind that's of... The re- that's the reason to unpack it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, typically, I'm the one who brings the kind of historical context, and this is why stuff has evolved. So we know we know kind of why we got here, and then how, therefore, how we can disrupt it. Um, mm-hmm. But, the you know, the, our team, our strength is the diversity of the team with rocket scientists and physicists and, and all sorts of people from other directions who now look at the problems totally different. And so that's why I think it's somewhere in the middle, bringing these you know, unique visions and perspectives from, from kind of high tech um, and apply them to ag has some great power um, if it's guided with, you know, actual market knowledge and, and understanding. It's funny, as a marketing company, I've been in many a room with both sides of that story in multiple industries. Like we understand tech, the industry is just the one we picked. Uh, customers tend to go, mm, that's not as credible. And I've yeah. been in the other room where it's like, hey, we went and found the right tech because we really understood the thing. You know, oil yeah. gas service has lots of examples of that. And it's a very different value proposition to the customer. And yeah. I would say with the ag customer that you understand me and you get me, that gets you invited out of the yard for coffee, maybe and for lunch. We're a bunch of tech and we'll we'll fix you. That doesn't, I don't find yeah. that flies at all very much in the ag world at all no. from my experience. No, there's there's still a, a large element of trust um, in those transactions. And, and you're, you're, which you're is, right. Which is a good thing. I think that's, that's, yeah. that's a good staple to have in any cornerstone. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause we've, you know, we, and we've even been asked those questions, you know, well, who are you? Well, as soon as you start talking farming with them and you kind of, you can bring yes. down the barriers, then, then you can start making a lot more. Um, oh, who's traction. your dad? Who's your uncle? Where did you yeah. grow up? Oh, you, you draw, yeah. okay. Oh, you get, you get harvest. You understand what that means. You've stood at the back of a grain truck. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get unloaded for it rains. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You get, you understand. I think there is that industry. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, you almost have to know the secret handshake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
which which I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of. You're bringing me back to my roots. I'm feeling a sense of heritage in our conversation. Also. <laughs> so as as a tech company, how's it been for you in Western Canada, Calgary? I know you've got offices in Calgary, Lethbridge. How's it been finding talent? Like, as if you had to go abroad, has that been a challenge? Like, just putting on your tech hat purely, you know, obviously understand how you've applied it. But what what's that journey been like for you guys? Any challenges? Any things that have really held you back from a talent acquisition perspective? I'd say. Uh, um I guess the short answer to a talent acquisition perspective, there's, there's probably the biggest holdback is us having, um, you know, enough confidence, which typically means, you know, cash, cash in hand or line of sight on, on the revenues to support making those hiring decisions and, and okay, being able to I appreciate ride that. That's, a, that's an honest answer. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's probably our number one you know, talent for sure. Um, there's a, there's an element of that certain skill sets, um, you know, particularly around, you know, developers and coders and stuff are in short supply in Calgary. Um, you know, we, the core of our team, we pulled together from previous businesses and previous relationships. And so, you know, you weren't kind of out in the pool looking for, um, a rocket scientist. We happened to have two doctorates of, of, um, aerospace engineering already from, from the satellite business. And so I love, cause when some people use the term rocket science, they use it as a metaphor. You're using it as an actual specific yeah, skill set, which it, I really love <laughs> yeah, the literal, uh, you know, this is the yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, This one. Yeah, and, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. When, and this when one you too. look up rocket scientists, it's this dude. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, or now. Yeah. You used to go to encyclopedia and you'd find this guy's name. So yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, so, so at our kind of core, um, we didn't find it, but now as we're continuing to scale and continuing to hire, we're, we're finding it cause we're, you know, we're even trying to, um, hire people here through the lockdowns of COVID. And, and the, you know, the good thing is that people are available because they've been temporarily laid off or, mm, or whatnot from, okay. from previous things. And so, you know, if you have a big company with a big balance sheet, um, like a WestJet or a bank or somebody like that, um, or even a big, you know, integrated oil and gas company that had these people on staff and they're now idle, it gives us an opportunity to, to add talent that we probably couldn't otherwise attract because of our size. Um, but okay. we're a different industry, you know, we're doing some cool stuff, you know, there are unique problems, people get attracted to that. So yep. not bad, but we can see that becoming more and more problematic. And we're already looking um, outside of Alberta, uh, outside of Western Canada to fill those gaps. We've got people that we've brought over from Berlin. Um, we've got a great, a great team that we um, bought some early stage stuff uh, that they had been working on and, and bought the people with it, and which was actually a main driver for us on the acquisition. Okay, less about the software, more about the people, um, right. and um, and you know we're we're chatting to folks in the U.S. and, and kind of doing all sorts of different stuff um, on how we can pull the teams together. So b b being creative is what I'm hearing at the at the root of it. Yeah, all. yeah, just about everything and we're trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> nice. You and I chatted a little bit, and it's it's worth I think because a lot of companies are going assessing this right now in terms of their relationship with office space, with the relationship of, uh, you know, you need to be in the office. Do you feel you know just by yourself? And I know it's crystal ball because we don't really know how it's all going to unfold. Like, do you think that this shift in where you can find value can literally be from anywhere now? That that's maybe going to? Do you think that's going to help with you guys being able to find the best talent that's in the Midwest somewhere that doesn't want to move, but that's okay? They can still contribute value. Do you see that as a little bit more of an open at that door uh, post pandemic or post during? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we were pretty um, open to it already as a team okay. um, ab about it, but, but you're right. Even it's even helped us get more comfortable with it. And so, you know, often we, we struggled with, um, well, if you have all these people kind of all over the place and lots of times the, um, you know, programming aspect of this can be very, um, you know, it's very team-based, very interactive and, and collaborative. 
And so if you just kind of disperse everybody, is Zoom and, and whatever tools sufficient to bridge that gap? And so what um, you know, the current COVID situation has shown us is that, yes, in fact, it can, you know, as long as everyone adopts it. And at the same time, um, you know, there's a need to pull people together from time to time, but not nearly as yes. much as, as I think we had had originally thought. And, and so, like I said, we were already thinking that way. And now I think this has only sped us up. And, and now we start thinking about other things, like how can we use, how can we use time zones to our advantage? Um, so yeah, I've listened to some recent podcasts about like, if you do it right, you can have a 24 hour workforce because of just time zones where that's people right. live. That's right. And yet people are only working their 10, 10 or eight hour day, whatever, whatever it is. And <laughs> yeah. So it's good to quantify yeah. that. This doesn't mean we've got them working 18 yeah, yeah. hour days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. You know, we did a little bit of that back in my professional services life using time zones to get transactions done. And, and when the teams are working well, it's a, it's very powerful. And we already use agricultural seasons to innovate our product at a rapid pace, um, you know, because the seasons all over the world are kind of off cycle with one another. And so we can, in one year in Canada, we can get about four years worth of information in other regions. Um, and so take that same thinking and apply it also to your, to your um, teams. It's always, it's always, it's amazing. You just shift your position a little bit and go, oh, that looks completely different. If I just tilt my head a little bit to right. one way, and I think COVID is, we've all tilted our head maybe multiple ways <laughs> through, through, through the flank. There's been lots of tilting. So, yeah. yeah no, no doubt. So, from a perspective of, you know, Calgary, Western Canada, is is there anywhere that you see, and this can be a bit of a loaded question, it's 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 about positive, but it's also about being real. Is there anything you see as an economy, as a province, whether it's, you know, federally from a government perspective or even businesses, is there anything we're doing where we're kind of, I'll be blunt, getting in our own way, kind of tripping, tripping ourselves up when it comes to change, evolution, like driving us forward into, you know, this new world of Western Canada, maybe not being able to rely on these boom and bust cycles. <laughs> Seems a weird thing to rely on boom and bust, but it's true. We have a anywhere where we're tripping up or anything that if you could, you know, the magic, the magic wand, uh, what would you change? Yeah. Um, you know, oof, a tough question because, because to me, I don't think there's any one, Thing. I'm sure there's lots of people that would that would disagree with me, but um, there's not that kind of one policy or one stance that you're like, oh, if you just got rid of that, right? Like, oh, if you just built a pipeline, our, our woes would all be solved, or um, you know, or ease the environmental review process, or whatever. You know, sometimes people hold these one things up. I don't think there is one thing. It's it's a bit of a um, I don't want to say death by a thousand cuts, but kind of hands tied um, by a thousand cuts because it's a combination okay. of of um, you know, the ta tax burden um, that we have, you know, we, we look at our business at the tax um, burden we have in Canada on revenues generated, et cetera, relative to the U.S. Um, you know, under the Trump administration, there's been a massive reduction in tax, particularly for technology kind of software uh, type revenues. And so, um, you know, so you start to see little things like that that start to add up. And so, you know, you're trying to attract capital from, you know, um, local folks and they say, yeah, well, I don't really understand the agriculture space as well. I'm really well versed in, in energy. So are you doing any technology around oil and gas? It's like, well, well no, we're, we're doing this agriculture thing and we can talk about that. Um, go, ah, yeah, well, you know, we really want to get into technology, but we think oil and gas. Um, meanwhile, you go down to the Valley and they're all ears for, for what you're up to. So, so you can just kind of see how the layers start to stack up bit by bit. Um, is a whole bunch of of debt from the government um, coming out from COVID stimulus going to solve the world? You know, I, I don't think so. And and um, in a lot of ways, the companies that are high growth that have 
um, you know, need for capital to keep going, the programming doesn't really fit anyway. Like we haven't seen a revenue reduction on, on any metric, um, you know, but we've also lost access to capital markets. Um, so I guess our hurt is yet to come. No, I, I think I think the runway on this thing is yeah, it's going to get. I don't want to be negative because I cho- I try not to be, but it's gonna it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, now, I've talked to a lot of business owners. They're like, "Well, I don't fit the criteria," or even some of the government funding programs, and you know, things like some of the things that were removed. That's like, well, yeah, but you're going to save on taxes. Like, well, yeah, but we're a tech startup. We're not profitable anyway, right. so that's irrelevant to me. I don't right. know what I need. That's to like keep a me ten going. years from now problem. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I aspire to have to be able to benefit yeah. from that problem, but I don't, I don't have that yeah. problem right now. Yeah. Uh, th- that is interesting. And I've got, you know, no matter what industry you're in, if you're trying to innovate or do something different, it, it does feel like, and I'm certainly hearing from a lot of guests that the programs in place, uh, uh, they feel like there's like, there's some, there's blind spots of like, well, yeah, if you really want to have more of this, you need to, you need to create an incentive program that supports it, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Like definitely yeah. feels like there's gaps. So that's kind of what I'm hearing for you. And it's not, I know that media loves the one thing, like let's put the headline, yeah. but it's, that's not what it is. Like businesses don't, you know, sort of thrive or fail on one thing. It's a series of things. And then usually often all of a sudden, <laughs> either way. And I think in times like this, we, we often forget that it's not government that is going to, um, you know, create the solution or, or otherwise. In fact, you know, I've, I've always been raised and I'm a strong believer that kind of government in business is a, is a bad thing. What, what we need government to do is create the ecosystem that allows then business to thrive and do its thing, kind of get your hands off it. And so, um, you know, we talk about Alberta and what it, what it's done really well in the past. Well, in the past, it did exactly that. It created an ecosystem that allowed um, essentially rabid entrepreneurialism um, to thrive. And, and, and that built, you know, that built the Western Canadian economy and, and um, you know, in a lot of ways, the Canadian economy. And so, you know, if we kind of get back to that approach, instead of trying to kind of steer and point and tell and whatever, let's just get our hands off the wheel and, and create the most kind of fertile ecosystem to allow people and capital and everything else to flow and thrive. And you might be amazed what, um, what pops up. Yeah. Like that thing is an old, it's an old patent quote about, you know, tell them what you want to accomplish. They'd be surprised how they accomplished it. There's a yeah. version of that, like yeah. just create the runway and then get your hands off it. I think there's many, many, um, Examples we could look back on where government involvement wasn't a plus. Right. Just not to not yeah. to get not turn this into too much of a, of a, of a political right. rant. It's just not what they're right. built if you look, for. If you look, yeah, it's not a knock on them. Yeah. It's just not what they're built for. Yeah, they, they yeah. got it. They've yeah, got their place. Good, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Like very, uh, very deliberately, but very respectfully. Yes, yes, play your role, but then let business play play that play yeah. its role. And I think Western Canada, part of what I moved here from Montreal twenty years ago, and the vibrancy and the entrepreneurial nature, and the like. Hey, if you've got if you can add value, and I can add value, let's get together and do something. Like that to me was what immediately hooked me on this place. Yeah. Why why I stayed and proud of myself. You know, I was a Montrealer. Now I'm proud to call myself an Albertan for a lot of those reasons. And yeah. I also joke, I'm way too young to say, remember the good old days. So I don't, I'm not willing to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's, yeah, that, that's just, that's just not, that's just not acceptable. Um, one question I love, I ask guests this all the time because it's so interesting that the responses I get. So not sorry, that kind of sets you up there a little bit. Um, if you were going to build a dashboard that you could look at and say, hey, you know what? We're moving in the right direction as a city, as a province. What are some of the indicators, you know, you would look at as you kind of look, look down the road? What, what would be on your dashboard? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I think the, um, um, I guess as a, as an overall premise, I, I think we are heading in the right direction. Um, 
we're just okay. we're just really early days on it, and uh, that we've got a lot more to do. And so, you know, to me, I would I'm looking at kind of <clears throat> excuse me larger, almost macro um, indicators. You know, things like um, job job creation, but but in particular in um, I want to say all, all kind of alternative areas, but it's it's areas like technology and um, you know and other types of industry, not necessarily you know peer play. Um, drill, drilling oil wells um, or or scooping oil sands, and not that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, my view is I hope that all those jobs come back um, and and we return to the quote good old days there. But at the same time, we also have that same level of growth and explosion in other industries um, as well. Kind of kind of piggybacking on that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of companies that can um, piggyback on the innovation in oil and gas as well. A lot of industries, and so to me, it's kind of all all the above. So let's see job creation, but but also getting back to um, you know people migrating into the province, businesses migrating into the province. Like I, I think you know seeing something like um, you know it doesn't even have to be a head office, but a significant presence um, getting set up in in Calgary. You know there was there was talk about. Uh, well, there was a little while ago where we were part of, trying to play in the beauty pageant for Amazon's, um, you know, second HQ. Well, you know, wh- whether we were well suited for that competition or not, the point is, is bringing those types of things here. What, you know, what are the indicators around new businesses starting here? Um, you know, what, what are the indicators around our new grads um, staying here? Um, to me, those, those are the big indicators we want to look at because because those are not just indication of, of prosperity in the moment, but the perception of future prosperity, right? If you're a new grad yeah, who's going to yeah. stay here, you've got a perception that you've got a pretty long runway. And those are all kind of five to 10 year, you're, yeah. you're going to really reap the rewards of all those. Yeah. I know as, as you were going down, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that's, these are all like indicators now that we're going in the right direction, but their yield of that yeah. will be five to 10. I know there's a challenge around like, but yeah, we need immediate results, but you know, it's an old, what's the old joke? Like what's the best time to, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago. But if you didn't do that, just do it today. Yeah. Just plant it now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, you know, strategic thinking as a company, you, you know, you get this conversation going of, of, um, you know, hey, you know, we need to kind of readjust our, our or take some time to look at strategy. How do we need to adjust it? How do we need to pivot? If we need to pivot, let's just kind of get an update. And and you get the response of, well, no, 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 we're, we're just too busy right now in the day to day. We'll get, you know, we'll get some time to do that in a month. Yeah, well, we said that two months ago and six months before that. And so if you don't, if you don't do it now, well, when are you going to do it? The, the amount of discipline it takes to do that. And I, that's one of the real positives. I had the funniest feeling the other day. Uh, I thought it was, I sorry, I thought it was, uh, it just caught me off guard when uh, Jason Kenny re- released their plan of like, this is our return to normal. All of a sudden I had this sense of like, Oh shit. Like I haven't changed enough. I haven't innovated. I haven't taken this time. Like I have the spirit scarcity of like, I don't want to waste this right. opportunity that my world is different yeah. where I've got a little bit more bandwidth. And I like all of a sudden had this overwhelming sense of urgency. It was a good little, like, Whoa, whoa where did that, where did that come from? <laughs> get after it, whatever yeah. it is you need to get after. I squandered my quarantine by not transforming my business. What new skills have I got? Did I get yeah. taller? Did I get better looking? Did I read 20 books? Like what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> It was such a such a funny. I, I, unfortunately, I think we still have a little bit of time. <laughs> I think I think we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
resources, things that have really been beneficial to you. I'm, you know, I'm listening to this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I own a company. I'm just curious. I'm looking to connect to things in, in the city or, you know, other provincially that you guys have found that maybe programs or maybe places where you go just for, to learn or get optics on anything you'd recommend to anybody. Like what's on, what's on your, like, Hey, go get involved with that. Cause it's going to expose you to some new ways of thinking. I, for me, the biggest thing, um, which I was very pleasantly surprised about was just everyone's open openness and willingness. Um, you know, in, in coming out of um, professional services, you know, you worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and doing different things, which was great. Um, but you also saw the, um, you know, as businesses mature, kind of they get defensive and protect their secret sauce sort of stuff. And whereas when you get in, when you got into the, that kind of new startup scale up and technology ecosystems, the willingness of everybody to help. And whether that was, Hey, I know somebody I'll introduce you over here. Um, you know, I'm happy to bounce some ideas off of, um, to, to me, that was actually really powerful and, and continues to be so. And, and I think that's also why, why this is going to stick. This is why it's going to work. Um, is that openness. And that's how Alberta uh, and Western Canada was built in the first place was everyone willing to help their neighbor. It wasn't a me versus you. It's we're all in this together. Um, I had to refer to as like, you know, we need more of the pioneering barn building. Like this yeah. week we build your barn next week. You build my barn. That's, right. Mindset. that's right. Yeah. And, and if you make a big profit off of your barn that we built together, good, good for you. It's not somehow some knock on you that, that you made it. And I didn't. Um, because it, that's an, that's an interesting one. Cause that gets into weird kind of tricky territory for some people. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and you can kind of see it come out, um, on how people yep. approach it. And so, but that openness and that willingness to, to collaborate and, and talk and, and it might be that it doesn't go anywhere, but Hey, I met somebody else that was new and they might've had an interesting comment that got me thinking about something and, and off I go, or, or maybe I can introduce them to somebody and, and their business reps and, you know, awesome. Good. And is there any organizations where you found that like startup Calgary, creative destruction labs, like there's, there's so many of them going around, around town. I think all of them are great. Is there any, is there any that for you guys as Verge or even on your own journey as a kind of tech ag entrepreneur that, that you were part of that you like, that you can call out by name? You know, we actually weren't part of any kind of the accelerators and, and formal programs and stuff. Um, you know, in, interestingly, maybe that Typical was... Farmers, you farmers just did it the hard yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We just kind of, yeah, we just muscled up and away we went. But um, totally muscled up. I'm, I'm not sure that's, you know, the way that if I was to do it again, I would I would say. But part of it was, you know, naive. We were just kind of, hey, we had this great idea and let's let's get at it. Um, whereas, you know, some, some great people that we met along the way, um, like... Uh, Brenda Breckendorf over at Alberta IoT. She's now at Alberta oh, Brenda, IoT. Brenda, 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 yeah, Brenda, Brenda's great. I've known Brenda for years. She's yeah. a she's a she's a force of nature when it comes to connecting people. It's, she's great. Exactly. And so so people like that who are willing to connect you to all sorts of people, um, you know, are are great. And you know, and other people that you just sit down with for a breakfast, and they're also willing to make comments and 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 um, point you in the right direction, which, which have been which have been really good. And and then then you kind of get into some of those systems um um you know otherwise and you know eric eric westbloom was someone that we met early on in our journey who's over at provision analytics they're doing some really cool stuff around um food traceability um and uh we're actually working on a big project uh with them that's been funded by the um federal innovation supercluster uh, protein industries canada okay and yeah. um you know we met it was interesting we met eric um i kind of forget how we how we how our paths crossed um, and he was talking about what he was doing and we were talking about what we were doing and we were both relatively early days and you could just see immediately like how it would stick together. 
Well, now it's almost like I know when Eric's been out on the road because I'll get a couple of phone calls, you know, hey, we were talking to Eric and he mentioned, and, and we do the same. And so you kind of just watch this build, you know, and you get invited, like we were also out at um, PwC does an annual conference out in Banff um, that we were, you know, invited to and, and um, through a bunch of kind of old connections. And you just, again, you met, you know, half a dozen people that were doing some pretty cool stuff. And, um, and again, they kind of, the, the wheel turns. So it's just, frankly, it's the people. I, I couldn't agree with you more that the willingness for people to sit down and like, you know, as, as someone who's got an idea, get out there, reach out, talk to yeah. people, people will talk to you. They will take a coffee. They will, yeah. you know, or virtual coffee yeah. at, at, at this point, but Calgary's willingness to, you know, you know what, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't maybe need what you have to offer, but I know so-and-so like right. if you can show value, sincere value yeah. in this city or in, in this part of the country, people will open doors for you. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I've never experienced anything quite like it where it's a little more like, well, I don't know you. I'm going to stand off right. just a little bit. Calgary, if you show up with integrity and honesty yep. and, and value right off the bat and people, the doors will throw open. That's yep. been my experience hundred percent. So, I'm, addic- I'm addicted to that Western Canadian way of doing business. Totally. And sometimes you, you, you wonder if it's charity, like they're kind of taking pity on you of here's the, you know, here's this goofball <laughs> from Saskatchewan. Well, sometimes if it gets the door open, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, whatever. And so you have some of these really interesting coffees with people who are far too successful to waste their time with some schmuck like me. But, um, you know, but again, Hey, they've got an interesting piece of feedback. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Or, Hey, I'll, you know, I'm happy to introduce you to so-and-so and, and away you go. And it just kind of, you keep pulling on the thread, so to speak. It's so funny, this whole podcast, I think, you know, I'm probably, you're in the 50 or 55 guest territory, specifically on this episode. And at first, uh, you know, we went out, but after that, it just became completely self, uh, self-filling. Everyone's like, you know, who you need to talk to, talk to this person. Like, it's just people are like, where yeah. do you, oh, it must be hard to get guests. I'm like, I have too many guests because I'm, it's just, everyone goes, oh, I liked it. It was a good experience. Let me introduce you to three more people. Yeah. That is a very Western Canadian phenomenon. Not that it doesn't happen anywhere else, but again, it does usually once you're inside your circle, but here it happens a lot more openly. Like right. we are all, we are we are all a bit in it together and that is, you know, not kumbaya or drum circles. It's a real thing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned things like Startup Calgary and, you know, Platform Calgary and kind of all these different incubators and organizations and, and things like this. Uh, you know, I think those are actually a, a, a function of that willingness and that mentality. Like they've just added a little bit of structure around it, but really those are rooted in the exact same thing. A bunch of people who are like-minded who want to help um, and, and are willing to yes, pick up totally. the phone. Yeah, wanted want to help and yeah, right. Add a little structure to it, and that's yeah. where you can really kind of jet fuel it. But well, listen, it was really interesting. I really appreciate. Selfishly, I was really excited to talk about ag and really understand kind of the perception of it. And like I said, it comes up so often. So in closing, I'll ask you the same question that kind of got you on the show with me. Um, if you were to collide two industries together in Western Canada, Calgary, if you want, but Western will stay broad, that could benefit from each other and really learn and that sharing kind of mindset. Who would you put in the Who would you put in the room? Wow, um, you know, and and to to be fair, uh, Tyler, you you primed me with this one, and I've been and I've been chewing around it on and on and on. It's such a hard one because I I think that um, it's it's super interesting the different pockets that are happening everywhere and and the different pieces that come up with it. And so one I actually kept coming back to was um, was the health healthcare side of the equation and, and financial services being the, the other one. And, and the reason I bring those up is both have had to deal with, um, you know, t- to them, they feel like unique problems around, you know, heavy privacy, um, you know, c- confidence of people, you know, really kind of personal items, people's health and their money. Um, and so 
when you when you think about what those industries over the last two generations have dealt with, let alone looking at technology being applied to those, I think those I think there's a bunch of lessons that are that are hidden in the halls there um, that they probably don't even necessarily know about that really could benefit you know others in a lot of way. Um, you know whether that's around you know how to better handle data, whether that's you know how to innovate under you know a heavy regulatory framework, mm-hmm. um, you know all of these different things. Like like uh, particularly when we start looking at at a world that seems to be moving away from globalization and increasing its kind of privacy and lockdown. Um, yeah, I'd imagine that those are two sectors that have a lot of learnings in there that that we could pull out in agriculture. We could pull out in oil and gas and all sorts of different things. Those are really, those are two that have not come up before. So kudos for throwing some new ones on the table. And, you know, you look at the long established, this is the way we've always done it. It's a regulatory to two things that are like, you couldn't get more close for people, their health and their their health and their money, often very tied together. Yeah, exactly. In many cases. And, you know, the disruption that's happened, I think, in the financial services sector, almost more than in, as yep. you know, you and I both have a mutual friend who's who's working to help with some disruption just around basic communication, yep. ability to communicate effectively between service provider and patient in the healthcare sector and how many, how, how yep. challenging that is. Yep. And, you know, the financial services sector, I know people in the fintech space and, you know, they didn't really want to change the big, the big, the right. big banks didn't want to change how they did what they did. That's right. But the consumer demand was so high, they had, they had no choice. Yeah. And that kind of push pull relationship is interesting yeah. when you lay those two against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- sir, thank you. That was, that was a good one. You got, you got my brand. I'm like, Hmm, I got to think about that a bit more. <laughs> what do I, I haven't had anyone on directly in the, you know, as a service provider of the healthcare sector, but I need to, I need to get some docs on and get, and get the, their view. If I, if I yeah. could, if, if they'll open up, because I know they all keep their cards close. Well, and think, and think of what COVID is doing to that, you know, sector from advancements in telemedicine to, um, you know, to, to remote diagnosis, let alone to, you know, communications and all sorts of things. Like it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how COVID transforms the medical system. Necessity of the mother of all invention. Right. <laughs> uh, Wilson, what's the best way if someone was so inclined, either just curious to chat or wanted to connect, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Mm. Oh, I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm too available. I'm trying to return the favor to all those that uh, did it for me. You can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find me through, um, through our Verge Egg website, vergeag.com um, um, and, uh, and, and track me down that way. I'm also, I'm also often on the Twitter, um, which is a big channel for our, for our customer base. So talking about farming. How interesting. So the, the ag world has, uh, that's interesting it's how different, different communities have embraced different platforms yeah. and Twitter has kind of held up. And sometimes I wonder about Twitter. I'm like, what is going on with this platform? But it's interesting to hear that that is, if you want to get, if you want to communicate with your customer base, that's where to do it. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to find a farmer, uh, head on over to Twitter and, and you'll be able to track him down. Because uh, he's, he's in his autonomous driving combine on his phone. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a movie going in one corner of the cab. He's watching the performance of yeah. the machine in the field on the other side and a phone in his head. Yeah. He's got, yes, it, it, is a, it is a new day when I was struggling to just get air conditioning in my cab yeah, when right. I was younger. <laughs> right now he's got two apps. He's got his weather app and Twitter. Those are the, those are the two that he's looking at. Yeah, yeah, weather. That's the, the that there is no conversation around the farm table. Doesn't start or end somewhere with weather. Hundred percent. That's right. Wilson, loved our chat today. It was good getting to know you a little bit more, and I really appreciate your perspectives. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, the show. thanks for having me. My pleasure. Take care. <laughs>